Okay. Hope everybody had a peaceful and quiet weekend. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is the mop-up for December 4th, 2023. I'm David Feldman. Thank you for finding me. Let me know uh, what you think in the comment section as we plow through today's news. This is the mop-up for December 4th, 2023. Please like this episode so I remain in your feed and subscribe to my newsletter as well as this channel. Power couples. Where would Democrats be without their power couples? There was Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt. You know, during the Great Depression, Eleanor served as Franklin's eyes and ears. She traveled around America reporting back to him. Then there was the great Rosalind and Jimmy Carter. Rosalind redefined the role of First Lady by actually sitting in on Oval Office meetings for the first time. Maybe Edith Wilson, but officially, I believe Rosalind Carter was the first First Lady to be allowed inside the Oval Office. And then there was Bill and Hillary. Hillary almost became president. She should have been president, more so certainly than Bill. She's certainly smarter and better equipped at controlling her appetites. Then there's Barack and Michelle. Some are suggesting Michelle Obama, too, might be considering a run for president. And as a power couple, well, they're amazing. They're producing movies like Rustin on Netflix. Have you seen Rustin on Netflix? It's a masterpiece. It's uh, a biopic. It tells the story of civil rights pioneer Bayard Rustin, I don't know who plays him, but he's going to get an Oscar. Although I should be careful with (laughs) my predictions, considering Friday's show. But it's definitely, if you have Netflix, it's uh, definitely worth checking out Rustin. Uh, Those are real power couples. Power. Power couples. Because when two people are in love and committed to doing good in this world, one and one doesn't make two. It makes two trillion power couples. What we're seeing in today's Republican Party is something uh, similar to power couples, but I like to call them white power couples. For example, there's Mike Johnson, our new speaker, and his wife, Kelly Johnson. They're they're a white power couple. Uh, They do a podcast together where they warn homosexuality leads to incest and bestiality. They're all in on gutting the social safety net and supporting any candidate who considers themselves a white Christian nationalist. Then there's my favorite white power couple, Matt Schlapp, the head of CPAC, and his wife, Mercedes. They worked together in the Trump White House and fought tooth and nail to keep same-sex marriage illegal. And now there's Christian Ziegler, the chairman of Florida's Republican Party, and his wife, Bridget. She's one of the founders of Moms for Liberty, and they're they're a white power couple, too. They're a real white power couple. For example, 
Bridget Ziegler was recently elected to the Sarasota, Florida School Board, where she lobbied hard to prevent critical race theory from being taught in the public schools. She's helped ban any books from libraries that make white students feel guilty about slavery. And she insists that students be taught that black people benefited from slavery by learning valuable skills. Yeah, Christian and Bridget Ziegler are one hell of a white power couple. They want to bring prayer back into the classroom. Did I mention they don't want anyone teaching sex education or even talking about sex? They're against teaching children about contraception. And of course, they don't want any discussion about sexuality or gender. Christian and Bridget, well, they believe that children have to be protected from immoral groomers and secular leftists, drag queens who think sex before marriage is perfectly fine. Christian and Bridget Ziegler are champions for parental rights. In fact, that's what Bridget, Bridget Ziegler's Moms for Liberty is all about. Parental rights. Parents, she insists, not the schools, should be teaching children about sex. Bridget, like I said, is one of the founders of Moms for Liberty, which trains like-minded white power couples to fight for Parental rights in our schools to make children make sure children aren't exposed to sex or the LGBTQ plus agenda. Moms for Liberty was founded only two years ago and already claims to have 122,000 active members in 44 states. They call themselves joyful warriors. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis loves Moms for Liberty because they supported his Don't Say Gay bill. They supported his parental rights bill and, for some reason, his anti-mask mandates. Ron DeSantis loves Moms for Liberty because it turns out Moms for Liberty is funded by the same dark money super PACs as he is. It's not really a grassroots organization. It's kind of like the Tea Party, AstroTurf. The Southern Poverty Law Center has labeled Moms for Liberty a hate group, accusing it of bullying members of the LGBTQ plus community and spreading lies about gay teachers, calling them groomers. But Nikki Haley said, quote, if Moms for Liberty is a hate group, add me to the list, unquote, to the list of hate groups you already belong to, like the Republican Party, Nikki Haley. Last month, we reported that a minister who serves as the point person for the Philadelphia chapter of Moms for Liberty turned out to be a registered sex offender, an actual groomer, who pled guilty to doing the very things with a young male student that Moms for Liberty claims it's trying to prevent. He is 
a groomer, but he is still with the organization because they're very forgiving. And now it turns out that Bridget Ziegler, one of the founders of Moms for Liberty, well, it turns out she's a lesbian. This is the same Bridget Ziegler who, as school board member for Sarasota, Florida, ordered signs promoting LGBTQ youth clubs to be taken down, and she's ordered teachers not to accept whatever pronoun a student insists upon. She's a lesbian, it turns out, and she's married to Christian Ziegler, and it turns out that Christian and Bridget Ziegler He's the chairman of the Republican Party down in Florida. Did I mention that? Christian and Bridget Ziegler. Well, allegedly, they've been engaged in a long-term menage a trois with a woman who Christian allegedly knew for nearly 20 years. This is sad. According to the police report, yeah, there's a police report. I'll get to that in a second, and I don't want to be glib. Uh, according to the police report, uh, Bridget Ziegler admits uh, to a threesome with her husband and this female friend a year ago. Christian, his wife, and his female friend had a threesome. Uh, they, uh, Christian says only once, but other reporting seems to say that this has been an ongoing menage a trois. And back in October, according to the police report, Christian invited this female friend to have another threesome with his wife. And the woman said, oh, yeah, absolutely. But then Christian called back to tell the female friend that his wife wouldn't be able to make it this time. And according to the police report, the friend said, well, I'm not going to be able to make it either because I'm really just interested in your wife. You, not so much. According to the Washington Post, Christian Ziegler, the chairman of the Republican Party, according to a police report, according to the allegations, according to the female who made the complaint, uh, Christian didn't like what she said. He showed up at her apartment uninvited and proceeded to have his way with her against uh, her will. She called the police. Rape kits were brought out. And while police have yet to uh, file charges, the investigation is still ongoing. And Governor Ron DeSantis has asked Christian Ziegler to step down as chairman of Florida's Republican Party, which is odd because the wife is the one who DeSantis should be asking to step down She's a lesbian, and that's way off brand for the Republican Party. But being accused of rape? I'm surprised Donald Trump hasn't already asked Christian Ziegler to be his campaign manager. Sounds to me like Christian Ziegler would feel right at home in a second Trump administration with all the other men who have been accused and or convicted of spousal abuse, beating up girlfriends. It's almost as though you can't work in the Trump administration unless a woman wants press charges against you. 
Earlier, I talked about Matt and Mercedes Schlapp, the white power couple that worked inside the Trump White House. Here's the headline in Metro Weekly about Mercedes Schlapp joining the Trump administration. It reads, anti-LGBTQ activist joins White House press office. The article talks about how Mercedes and Matt Schlapp, he's the head of CPAC, they're all about religious freedom. And by religious freedom, the freedom to cloak yourself in Christianity while persecuting the LGBTQ community. Let me read you from Metro Weekly about Mercedes Schlapp joining the Trump administration. Given her professional background, it is not shocking to learn that Schlapp has frequently taken the conservative position, arguing against expansions of LGBTQ rights, instead preferring to paint Christians as a victimized class of people under attack by socially liberal policies. As such, she, Mercedes Schlapp, like her husband, has been a vocal proponent of quote-unquote religious freedom, religious freedom legislation or executive actions that would provide exemptions for people who wish to refuse goods and services to others based on the seller's personal objections to same-sex marriage or homosexuality in general. Yeah, he's the head of CPAC and Mercedes is all about making sure that gay people can't get married. And yeah, so as you know, Matt Schlapp has had some problems. He's the head of CPAC. And uh, there was the headline earlier this year about a GOP operative who came forward and accused Matt Schlapp of sexually assaulting him. Uh, that would be Matt Schlapp sexually assaulting a, a man. Uh, then there's the treasurer of CPAC accusing Matt Schlapp of uh, mismanagement. He, the treasurer of CPAC quit because Matt Schlapp couldn't explain where all the money was going. And then there were other people stepping forward. And by other people, I mean men associated with CPAC stepping forward and claiming that Matt Schlapp forced himself on them. And we don't know the disposition of any of these cases. They're still being litigated. Yeah. And then, of course, this year, we learned uh, some things about Matt Religious Freedom Schlapp. Uh, for example, this uh, came out uh, from... Uh, from uh, the K files from uh, CNN speaker Mike Johnson wrote the forward for a, uh, a book filled with conspiracy theories and homophobic insults. So who knows what the future holds for speaker Mike Johnson and his wife. Mike Johnson has said in the past that homosexuality should be criminalized. He served as the attorney for Exodus International, one, Ameri one of America's top purveyors of gay conversion therapy, which human rights organizations call torture. Uh, 
Exodus International, I've talked about this countless times on the show, Exodus International disbanded 10 years ago after the president of that organization apologized to the LGBTQ community and admitting that gay conversion therapy is not only torture, it doesn't work because he himself still has same-sex attraction. No matter how much he prays away the gay, it won't go away. Mike Johnson, by the way, never apologized for being the legal counsel for Exodus International. He went on to become a lawyer and spokesman for the Alliance Defending Freedom, which still defends practitioners of gay reparative therapy in our courts. The Alliance Defending Freedom also listed as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Well, on Friday, CNN's K-File reported that Johnson wrote that forward to a book. Its book is called The Revivalist Manifesto, a book that came out just last year, and it's filled with derogatory terms for homosexuals, which I will not repeat on this show. And the book also has these far-right conspiracy theories about Pizzagate, or that Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts, is subject, could be subject to blackmail due to his close ties to Jeffrey Epstein. In the book, they say some nasty things about the Chief Justice and John Roberts and Jeffrey Epstein. Mike Johnson, only a year ago, endorsed this book. He, he wrote the foreword to this book a book that claims Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign chairman was running a child trafficking ring. The book defends Joe Rogan's use of the N-word and calls poor voters basically stupid. We have a lot to find out about Mike Johnson. A lot. Meanwhile, uh, Liz Cheney, who had the number three position, uh, number three leadership position in the House Republican caucus until she voted to impeach Trump. Uh, she's making the rounds promoting her new book in which she accuses Speaker Johnson of being one of Donald Trump's chief collaborators in trying to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Liz Cheney said she is probably going to vote for Biden and the Democrats and that Mike Johnson must not be the Speaker of the House on January 6th of 2025 because he will try to have the election thrown into the House of Representatives where he will do everything he can to steal the election for Donald Trump. Meanwhile, Speaker Johnson says he, he thinks he has enough votes in the House of Representatives to pass a formal resolution calling for an inquiry into the impeachment of President Joe Biden. Now, currently, there is an impeachment inquiry. It was only authorized by Kevin McCarthy when he was Speaker. It was not authorized by the full House. And thanks to a Trump-era policy, 
without a full vote on the House floor authorizing an impeachment inquiry, the Justice Department is not allowed to assist in enforcing congressional subpoenas or making certain documents are turned over to the House Judiciary Committee, House Ways and Means Committee, and the House Oversight Committee, the three committees that are currently looking into the possible impeachment of President Biden. Meanwhile, the Texas Tribune reports that over the weekend, the executive committee of the Texas Republican Party rejected an official ban on members of the Texas Republican Party associating with Nazis and Holocaust deniers. They just couldn't pull the trigger on banning Republicans from associating with Nazis and Holocaust deniers. Texas Republicans said trying to define the term Nazi or anti-Semitism was problematic for the Republican Party. I wish I were making this up. The ban was proposed after former Republican Texas State Representative Jonathan Stickland was photographed by the Texas Tribune meeting with Nick Fuentes, a well-known Nazi podcaster who openly admires Hitler and has called for a holy war against the Jews. Wait, it gets better. If you remember last year, Nick Fuentes joined Kanye West for a dinner with Donald Trump inside Mar-a-Lago. That's your Republican Party. It's why Liz Cheney is voting for Democrats next year. President Biden, as well as Democrats and Republicans in the Senate, are worried that time may be running out for Ukraine. There are reports that fighting in Ukraine is grinding down into a war of attrition that Putin, over time, may be able to win unless the United States steps up and gives more military aid to Ukraine. White House Budget Director Shalanda Young sent an urgent message to Congress this morning in which she said, quote, I want to be clear, without congressional action, by the end of the year, we will run out of resources to procure more weapons and equipment for Ukraine and to provide equipment from U.S. military stocks. There is no magical pot of funding available to meet this moment we are out of money and nearly out of time, unquote. So as of this morning, the fear is that House Republicans won't approve funding for Ukraine unless it's tied to funding for the border. In fact, Mike Johnson, the speaker, has said that. And now it looks like figuring out the border funding is going to be a hard slog especially since Republicans in the House don't feel any sense of urgency on Ukraine. They don't feel the same urgency that Biden, Schumer, and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell do. 
The Christmas break starts December 14th, so they have about 10 days. And then we don't look at funding for Ukraine until after the new year. Politico is calling it bombonomics. It's like Bidenomics, only with bombs. Bombonomics. And I've never seen anything like this before. I really haven't. Let me know in the comments section, uh, especially if you're older and remember how war has been sold to the American people since President Eisenhower warned about the military industrial complex. The Biden administration is now selling this entire $106 billion supplemental which would give weapons to Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel. They're selling it as a jobs bill. Now, I've never seen this before. I've never seen military spending sold as a jobs bill. Joe Biden is the first president, as far as I can tell, who has ever sold war as a jobs bill. When Ukraine was first invaded by Russia, I remember Biden uh, visiting uh, Raytheon facilities and Boeing facilities and uh, letting workers know that they have skin in the game to help Ukraine. And I've never seen a president this honest about our our war economy. Uh, It's always been implied that Funding for the Pentagon, for the military-industrial complex, is a jobs bill. But I've never seen a president just say it. That I've never seen a president say, funding a war is good for our manufacturing base. The White House budget director, Shalanda Young, in selling, especially in selling the Ukraine supplemental, today assured Congress that at least 60% of all previous funding for Ukraine has stayed in the United States. The message is we're really not giving this money to Ukraine. We're giving it to the American worker. Uh, She says the money, 60% of the money that we've already given to Ukraine uh, has gone, she said, towards American manufacturers of weapons, as well as to our Pentagon, and our intelligence agencies. So the military-industrial complex that President Eisenhower warned us about has figured out a, a way to maintain a war economy without sending any of our soldiers off to fight. Poc- proxy wars. Turns out proxy wars are, are way more profitable than real wars, less, less expensive. Well, it's important to remember that of the $106 billion for this supplemental, some of the money goes towards humanitarian aid, but at least two-thirds, two-thirds goes towards weapons, and most of these weapons are made by American manufacturers. President Biden in pushing for this Ukraine supplemental, said, quote, we send Ukraine equipment sitting in our stockpiles, and when we use the money allocated by Congress, 
We use it to replenish our own stores, our own stockpiles with new equipment. It's a virtuous cycle is what he's saying. He goes on to say equipment that defends America and is made in America. Patriot missiles for air defense batteries made in Arizona. Artillery shells manufactured in 12 states across the country in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Texas, and so much more. And then the White House put out a map to show how American states will benefit by funding the war in Ukraine. I posted this map. This is from the uh, White House. It shows what a $24 billion munitions and tactical vehicle procurement bill, how it gets spread around the country. You know, $2 million to New York. I'm sorry, $2 billion to New York, close to a billion to Texas, close to a billion to Florida, uh, close to uh, how much is that? Uh, close to $724 million in, uh, in California. And only $28 million in Washington State, where Boeing is headquartered. But I think Boeing is no longer manufacturing in Washington State. I think they moved their manufacturing plants down to uh, or a lot of their manufacturing plants down to the right-to-work states in the South. So I'll have to find out about that. Uh, meanwhile, Bernie Sanders, Senator Bernie Sanders, has been taking a lot of heat from progressives for not calling for an immediate ceasefire, ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas. He took time, but Bernie now says the days of giving a blank check to Israel are over. He said, the United States has traditionally provided large sums of money to Israel with no conditions. I think a growing number of members of Congress believe that that has got to change. He goes on to say, the American people are deeply concerned, in many cases outraged by the kind of civilian loss and want to make sure that policy is changed. One of the three Palestinian college students shot over the Thanksgiving weekend in Bernie's home state of Vermont is reportedly paralyzed from the waist down. The three Palestinian students were walking in Burlington, Vermont. Two of them were wearing traditional Palestinian scarves and speaking Arabic when they were shot. The two other victims of the shooting have since been released from the hospital. A suspect in the attack was arrested and charged with attempted murder. The Iowa caucuses are one month and 11 days away, and we are now in the thick of the presidential primary season, at least for Republicans. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he expects to win in Iowa. He already has the endorsements from both the governor of Iowa as well as that state's top evangelical leader. The real clear polling averages show him behind Trump in second place, but Trump is leading him by 30 points. 
Iowa is supposedly do or die for DeSantis. So this brings me to a couple of things that I got wrong last week. First, I double downed and then triple downed on George Santos. I uh, sat with my calculator last week. I, I didn't see the, the math. I didn't see how they were going to expel him. I didn't think they had the votes. I was getting word that everyone in the Republican leadership was going to vote to keep him. And that turned out to be true. True. Uh, Speaker Mike Johnson, uh, the second in command, Steve Scalise, the whip, Tom Emmer, and Elise Stefanik, they all voted not to get rid of him. So everything I had heard was correct, that the leadership was going to vote not to expel him. And I had seen this coming all week, so it made no sense to me that with all four Republican leaders of the House about to break in favor of keeping Santos, that there would still be enough Republicans to vote to remove him. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, you needed about 88 to 90 to remove him, and there were about more than 100 Republicans voted. Uh, I was off by about 12 Republicans. So that should tell you how uh, little I know as well as how fractured the Republican caucus is. They do not march in lockstep with their leadership the way Democrats do. What I also got wrong was Gavin Newsom in the debate with Ron DeSantis on Sean Hannity's Fox News show. I kind of built that up and said it was going to be exciting to watch. It wasn't. I predicted, and I was wrong, that Newsom would mop the floor with DeSantis, and he did not. It was unwatchable, mostly because it was a debate over who's doing better, California or Florida. And the problem with that is DeSantis is a liar. And so he's, and he's on Fox News, and he's able to manipulate statistics to make it look like he's a success story when he's anything but. It devolved into Newsom almost defenseless, saying, you're lying. You know, how many times in a debate can you say you're, you're lying? Uh, and it's impossible to get your facts checked fairly when the moderator is Sean Hannity, who is also a liar. So I got that completely wrong. One-on-one, uh, -on -one, when Gavin Newsom goes up against Sean Hannity, Newsom is really impressive. But this wasn't a debate. It was a lot of talking over each other, posturing. Nobody's minds were changed. But here's the thing that I realized. This made me a little hopeful. But I'm not making any predictions. I'm just being hopeful. Uh, DeSantis was impressive. He's worked his debate muscle. And there will be a fourth debate before the Iowa caucuses. And Donald Trump will have participated 
and none of them. So look, I'm not making any predictions yet. But Donald Trump has not been challenged for four years. All he does is go to rallies and stages these impromptu courtroom press conferences, or he'll do a one-on-one with reporters like this Kristen Welker, the new host of Meet the Press, and she needs access, so she's not going to try to eviscerate Trump during an interview the way Nikki Haley or Chris Christie would in a debate. Now, look, I'm done for a while predicting things. Maybe Trump sails through the Republican primaries. Certainly the polling says he will. But if he loses Iowa, and there's every reason for me to believe he's not going to do as well in Iowa as the polls say. If Nikki Haley has a strong showing in New Hampshire, if Ron DeSantis wins Iowa, uh, if the pro Nikki Haley dark money from the Koch brothers starts flooding the airwaves and it begins to look like Trump is afraid of debating her, I don't know. I, I, I think he's got to debate. I think he's got to debate Nikki Haley or DeSantis. I just don't think DeSantis. I'm not making a prediction. I just think Iowa is one and done for DeSantis, even if he wins Iowa. Uh, I think Donald Trump has to debate Nikki Haley. And debates are not rallies. They're not impromptu press conferences in front of the courtroom. Trump is saying really weird things at his rallies. I don't know if you've seen any lately, or I don't know if you saw the one in Iowa on Saturday. It's creepy. Uh, he spoke uh, in Iowa, and there were a lot of things he said, but one of the things that just was, he, he said, in one sentence, he said he saved Obamacare after John McCain voted to destroy it, but he's going to get rid of Obamacare because it's a disaster. It was bizarre and creepy. His grasp of reality no longer holds up under scrutiny. You get a sense watching the rallies that he's gone. He's checked out. And, he, you know, it's been four years. He's just accustomed to saying whatever he wants with nobody challenging him. At the rally, it was really bizarre. He said that uh, he, he, let me preface this. He says he's going to get rid of Obamacare. And that's the argument Democrats want to have because he has no replacement for Obamacare. And Obamacare is popular. So he knows it's popular. So he said on Saturday that in 2017, there was a vote to eliminate Obamacare. That's true. It was a famous vote. And McCain famously was the deciding vote which was true. 
But McCain famously gave a thumbs down. I don't know if you remember that. But he gave a thumbs down on a bill to get rid of Obamacare. So it was a thumbs up for Obamacare. McCain was voting to save Obamacare. But Trump told the crowd McCain voted to kill it. And I saved it. I saved Obamacare. But then he said, we got to get rid of Obamacare. And once again, promised to replace it with something much better. It's, he's sick in the head and nothing tracks. It doesn't track. And then he lets slip during the same speech that he's on a mission to destroy democracy. Uh, the stuff about Obamacare is just weird, saying he's going to replace Obamacare, but bragging about how he saved Obamacare. In 2016, when he was running for president, he, he promised to get rid of Obamacare throughout his presidency. He never offered anything, never offered an alternative to Obamacare, but staged these votes to eliminate it. He can't keep his lies straight anymore. And people close to him, people close to Trump are saying privately, not only is he not the same guy, there's always been something wrong with him. But now they're saying like he's gone. You know, he's been in this almost solipsistic isolation tank, creating his own reality. And... When you watch DeSantis debating Newsom, uh, I can't stand Ron DeSantis, but he's, he's been out on the stump, uh, fielding questions, debating. He has an answer for every question. He can defend his record. And Newsom, he doesn't have the same muscle that DeSantis has. He's not running for president the way DeSantis is. And this made me hopeful because it reminded me that Trump has not been challenged in four years. No press conferences, no debates. His muscle, his muscles and his brains are atrophied. And he's getting sicker in the head. Look, I'm holding off on predictions. But like I said, we are in the thick of it. And this is an inflection point. Iowa caucuses, January 15th. Trump must pivot. Everything is about to change. You can't make flat out declarations. Which, which is what Trump has been doing for four years. You just can't say this is the truth and expect people to nod their heads. Eventually, he's got to do a press conference. Eventually, he's got to do a debate. He's been in a bubble. Eventually, he's going to be challenged. And don't forget, next year, he may take the witness stand Right now, I know the polls are disheartening, but nobody's paying attention to Donald Trump. 
We are, but nobody's paying attention to him. They haven't seen his psychosis, his dementia. That is why Trump is doing so well in the polls. That's not me talking. That's what a lot of experts are saying. They're saying, wait till the American people start paying attention. They'll remember, they'll go, oh yeah, that's right. Now I remember. Uh, I think once Republican voters start paying attention and see he's incapable of telling the truth, that he can't govern, uh, he will not be the authoritarian the fascists in the Republican Party want him to be. Uh, so I don't know what happens. I really don't. Again, I don't know who to root for in the Republican Party. It scares me to say this. We may want him to get the nomination. He's probably going to be easier to beat in the general than Nikki Haley. And I, again, I've said this before. That's what we said about him in 2016. Everybody was saying, oh, let's hope it's Trump. It'll be a landslide. I was just reading Shattered. Uh, a month before the 2016 general election, she was leading double digits in the polls. Uh, no predictions, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Thank you uh, to the people in the chat room for showing up today. Uh, thank you to Bob for moderating. Please leave a comment. I asked a couple of questions. I read all your comments. You know that. Uh, please subscribe to my newsletter as well as my channel. Please like this so I remain in your feed. There, uh, the only way you can really help me if you want to help out is to share this with uh, your friends. Just copy the link and then paste it into an email or in social media or you know, through a message. I think that covers everything. I had a relaxing weekend. I like doing it. This These new hours, uh, for some reason, I was reading a lot over the weekend. And I think it had something to do with these hours. I'm not sure if we're, we'll keep these hours or not. But I did have a, a, a more relaxing weekend. Okay, thank you so much for listening to me. I'll see you tomorrow.